Welcome to Unapologetically Mahogany. This is a real, raw, uncut podcast where I talk about it all. I'm dope, hilarious, and bring good energy. So if that's what you're about, then I encourage you to stay for a while. Whether you're sipping on a bottle of bubbly or water because you know you need some H2O in your life, then go ahead and get you a little something something. These episodes are entertaining, so if you're ready to vibe out to my crazy shenanigans, eventful story times, and opinionated topics, then you're in the right space. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a special guest with me, and it is none other than my husband. And today we are going to be talking about why black, you know, Uh, We are a black couple, you know, we talk about black love and why do we choose to date each other and also marry each other? Yes, we could have went with other races, but it just so happened that we chose our own race. We did choose our own race. Yeah. But I mean, the way I see it, the reason why we didn't choose others outside of our race was because at the end of the day it simply wasn't God's plan that that happened. That isn't to say that neither one of us were open to dating outside our race. Not at all. No. Um, I mean, if we were to even entertain the thought as far as what it would have been like if we did date somebody outside our race, it probably would have been one of those situations where we would have to explain more about our rich culture towards those that may not be so familiar with it. Like, if I was dating somebody that was of Caucasian descent, then, yeah, I would very well have to explain certain things to them because, you know, needless to say, Caucasians don't quite understand our culture. They see it as more of... They see it as more of a sense of us being, like, foreigners or aliens when it comes to our culture. But that's why yes. we oftentimes have to break things down for them as far as, okay, this is why this is important and such, and so on and so forth. Matter of fact, that's how it was when we had to, well, when we volunteered to teach over at a local elementary school towards a few different third, or quite a few different third graders that were of all kinds of ethnicities, including Caucasians, because they didn't quite understand why these holidays that we were teaching them were important. So that's why we had to break it down for their comprehension. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is so, so true. And actually, when we were doing that, one of the girls, she looked like she could be mixed, maybe half black, half white. And she was like, Black History is my favorite month. I don't know if you had heard her. Mm-hmm. And it was so cute. And I wanted to, like, jump up and do so much more. But I was like, no, let's just keep it together because, you know, we're here to read a story. But she was so excited. But um, that is true. And I'll have to say... Uh, I work out. Well, my husband and I work out. He is definitely more of the person that works out more than I do. But, you know, I'm following along and getting in the swing of things. So now I'm going to work out with him much more often because health is key. And, um, oh, I didn't tell you, but um, I was working out with my personal trainer this past weekend. And he has me doing Fitness Pal, the Fitness Pal app. And uh, for those of you guys that don't know, it's where you can, like, you know, log all your foods that you eat. And at the end you know, um, you'll be able to tell like where you could be if you kept on the same track eating what you've been eating, you know, when it comes to like weight loss and things like that. So anyway, so I had in the app Arroz con Pollo, which, babe, do you know what that is? No, what is that? You do know what it is. Wait, yeah, I do know what that is. Yes. It, I do know what it is. It's the one where you get those little flour tortillas with the... chicken and rice in there with the little vegetables oh yes and there's different variations because like you know a, st- a restaurant close by does it like that well does it without the veg no they have onions in it and then the other place that we just went to had the vegetables with it and white rice mm-hmm. yes and so this story here um was interesting because my personal trainer he was like oh yeah um you ate um compollo compolo and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to pull it up. And you you ate Compolo. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And then he pulled it up and that's what it was. And he was like, oh, you know me. Like, I, I don't really know. You know, I'm just basic. And, you know, I don't know really a lot of the different foods. 
So it made a lot of sense what you just said of how like, you know, they just think like they can't really relate, but I think they can relate if they want to, or they can choose to, you know, learn more about us and our culture. But it was one of those things, like, if I date outside my race, it'd just be a little bit more explaining. And I had to explain it to him and it took about a few more minutes and he's like, oh, okay. But that's what it was. So for those of you all that don't know, uh, my husband's Southern and I, um, um, you know, my heritage is, is like, um, like Caribbean and then like Afro Latino. So for me, it wasn't that hard to explain that to my husband because, you know, he's been around, I, I would say like ate those type of foods before. So it wasn't as hard to explain like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? Um, or, you know, what this food is, you know, he picked it up right away and it was like, great. But it's like dating outside of the race. It just takes a little bit more explaining to do. And we both have dated outside of our race before. Um, and how did that go when you dated outside your race? It was, it was a different experience. Okay. Yeah, because there are things about that person's culture that I wasn't familiar with. Like, I remember one time I dated a person that was of Hispanic descent. Okay. So, I mean, I got to chime in as far as certain things in the Spanish language and dialect that I didn't know of beforehand, aside from what you would typically learn in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one thing to learn about a foreign language in a classroom, but it's another thing to actually be exposed to that upon um, living with per- people that are of that culture or working alongside them like being around that person 24 7 can make a world of difference because you'd be exposed towards you'd be exposed towards some authentic things towards yes. that culture that's the best way i know how to put it yes Hmm. And I, too, have dated outside my race. I think I dated outside my race twice. So I did outside my race uh, once with a Cuban, um, but he looked, like, white. Uh, and that was interesting um, because there are a lot of differences. First of all, walking. That was, I applaud those that are, like, in mixed ra- mixed relationships because um, that alone, the stares that already are coming with it, Granted, it shouldn't be, it should be just like look and look off, but you know how people are. They stare and like, oh my gosh. And so I remember having that happen. It was very uncomfortable for me because it was one of like my first times dating outside my race. And everywhere we went, people were just staring and I was getting those dirty looks like, how dare you? And I mean, love is love, you know? And I mean, that makes, that's no reason why I ended up dating, you know, marrying my husband who's black too, like me. But it was just different, you know, just to see um, <clears throat> how I was treated. Whereas if I go out with my husband now, I'm not getting looked at twice. You know, it's just like, oh, it's a regular black couple. And I remember going over to his family's home and all they spoke was Spanish. And they had like a whole bunch of, um, <clears throat> they had a whole bunch of uh, like, uh, uh, what is it called? So my mom mentioned it. It was like more like witchcraft, but it was like called like Santaria. And it's a whole bunch of statues all over. And that's like the gods that they worship. And it was very different, you know, because I'm not used to that. So that was my first um, time. And I remember we went to visit his brother and his brother's wife, you know, who are both Hispanic. And I remember we went out to a restaurant and I just felt so out of place because everyone was just staring. And it wasn't a good feeling. And I just can't imagine how that is for couples that are of mixed race that they have to deal with that every single day. And then I also dated another guy, this was in high school, and he was half Puerto Rican, half Guyanese. And that was different in itself because even though he was like Latin and Caribbean at the same time, he was more of like the Caribbean Indian, which is very different. And he was even saying that his family, usually they don't really date like blacks. So I was really like one of the first ones coming to the house. And I remember being nervous, like, I don't know, is your family going to accept me for me? Because I don't not look. I'm not the typical uh, woman that you would probably bring home that they would expect for you to bring home. You know, obviously those relationships were very short-lived. And I mean, I, I don't know if it would have worked out in the long run, possibly. Who knows? But it just worked out where my husband and I can go places. We can have these conversations where 
hey, we'll say, hey, did you see how that person treated us or how this person looked at us? And we both will get it and realize, oh yeah, I saw it. Yep, I see it. Versus if we're dating somebody of another race, they may not understand like, no, I didn't see how they just treated you. And it's like, they're totally oblivious to what's going on, especially in this current climate. So, you know, for me, one of the cool things about it is marrying somebody black. We know that our kids are going to look similar to us. Mm-hmm. And, and you won't have to worry like, okay, where do I fit in? You know, you see a lot of mixed race kids that are like, I don't know if I'm fit more in with my black side or my white side or whatever they may be. And they just kind of feel ostracized. Like, where do I fit? <clears throat> so at least for us, we know that, hey, we're going to have black children that are going to resemble us. We'll be able to teach them about our cultures and our heritage, and they'll be able to continue on that legacy as well. So that's the cool thing about it. You know, whether they choose to go to an HBCU, you know, and, and feel more at home knowing that there's people that look like them where they're studying is going to be a wonderful feeling if they ch- choose to do that. But, you know, we'll go places and at least we know we can we can enter places together and not feel as if we're not apart. Like, I remember that one couple that we hung out with, um, they were uh, Navy, they were a lesbian couple, and we went to her home, mm-hmm. and one looked more like fair skin, Yeah. and the other one was more dark skin, and remember, I think they talked about going to West Virginia, and how, like, she, the fair skin girl was able to pump gas where the dark skin girl had to, like, lay low in the car, because mm-hmm. West Virginia is just not the place for our kind. And, you know, then you got to figure that out. Okay, when I go here, oh, shoot, you know, you, you know, you can't go in. Or, you know, they went to a barbershop and I felt like she said she was treated differently because of how she looked. So that is another thing. You hear now of mixed race couples where if you're going to buy a house, they send a person that's Caucasian. Because it's a higher chance that you'll get your house versus if you send in the partner that's black. So it's just a lot of variations and differences I think that we can see and you know I think what we're here to say is that no matter what you pick whoever you date you know you love them for who they are and that and that's all that matters but just know of what it comes with and make sure that you're prepared to handle it so we have our my sister-in-law his sister that is going to talk a little bit more of what black love means to her you know, uh, we love it. It's radiant. It's just powerful. It's beautiful. And it's a, a legacy that continue. You know, we understand our struggles and hardships. You know, when my husband and I comes home, we can relate more because we've understood the challenges and, you know, what we've had to go through after facing a hard day at work or, you know, knowing that you may not look t- get looked twice at because of the color of your skin. But as soon as they know you're educated or you speak different or you come from a different neighborhood, it's a different story. Black love to me is layered with greatness, gentleness, and humility. And I can even go even further in depth to it because a lot of times people are in awe of how much our love is something that they probably long to have within their community because everyone's different, right? So let's look at black love from like a layered standpoint. One thing we know is black love is resilient. We have the ability to spring back up when we fall and even when we fall hard. But even more importantly, when we see somebody else falling down, we immediately go and get them to pick back up and say, hey, keep going. And that is a beautiful piece right there from a resilient standpoint. And it's just knowingly known to do that, right? Also, another layer of black love is that our love is unfiltered. We show you our most rawest type of love with passion, whether it can be out of frustration, whether it can be out of full-hearted empathy. When one hurts, we hurt. We all hurt. When one wins, we all win. It's just a community of unfiltered rawness and saying, we root for you, we love for you, we're mad for you, or sometimes mad at you, but we keep it really honest where it's like, I still love you in spite of it, right? And with it being a filter, this leads to another layer. Um, our love is colorless. We love anyone and everyone, no matter where they come from, no matter their background, no matter what color they are. If they want to have a seat at our table, we'll let them come and sit at our table. 
we'll let them eat with us. We'll let them, you know, kiki, laugh with us. And once we actually really build a relationship with them, we call them fam, like right off the top, no matter what. It's not like that with all other cultures. I mean, they're slowly getting that way, but that's one thing that I've known that we've been had the ability to do since before I even entered this world. And with that, that leaves one final layer that I think is a cornerstone of it all in Black love. Whether people want to agree or not, our love is so God-led. I mean, we're very well known for our spirituality and the love and heart behind it because we really have a strong faith in God who is above all. And also taking what he's taught us about loving one person and about not even just one person, but a community of people about being loved and showing that godly love towards others regardless. And I think that embodies all the layers of what our black love is. And that, my friend, is beautiful. So we want to thank my sister-in-law and his sister, my husband's sister, for contributing to this episode. Sis, you did that. Literally, what you mentioned about Black love were things I didn't even think about. You impact so many layers that as you were speaking, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so on point. And I'm so glad that you talked about um, how we accept everybody, you know, by saying, hey fam, no matter what race you are, you know, and we, we tell it like it is, you know, and I love that we are the type of people that will invite you in, you know, to break bread with us. And that is something beautiful that I love about Black Love. So thank you so much for contributing to this episode. I loved everything that you said about about Black Love. All right, so the next half is going to be on supporting Black-owned businesses. I don't know how many of you all do, but I certainly am and have for the past several years. So according to... Fundera by NerdWallet, there was an article that was written and it was titled Overview, Black-Owned Business Statistics and Trends. So I just want to talk about a few here for you guys. Did you know that there are more than 2 million Black-owned businesses in the U.S.? I didn't even know that. Did you know that Washington, D.C. has the highest percentage of Black-owned businesses in the country? I know where I need to go next, right? <laughs> okay, we got 35% of black businesses, or excuse me, 35% of black business owners are women. Listen, I am all about supporting not only black-owned businesses, but businesses that are also run by female females, because that is huge. You know, you think way back where, you know, men and women weren't even given equal pay. And now you have women that are being their own bosses and creating their own businesses. I love it. Let's see. 34% of black business owners actually started their business because they wanted to be their own bosses. And a lot of people are starting to do that. They don't want to work for anyone. They just want to have their own, right? And there's nothing wrong with that at all. If you can do that, please, by all means, do it. Now, another statistic I wanted to talk about real quick is that New York has the greatest number of Black-owned businesses in the country. Georgia is second, Florida is third, and Texas is fourth. Now, I lived in Florida for years, and I didn't even know that. So I'm like, maybe when I go back to Florida, I need to figure out all the Black-owned businesses and start shopping there. So that's amazing. I can only imagine Washington, D.C. and New York, literally how much business is thriving because of all these Black-owned businesses that people want to go and support. And even if you don't even look Black, you still want to go and support because you just want to support because you care. And I love that. So there's a quote that sat with me and it says, we are always held to the highest standards of perfection because of the stigma of our race. And that is from Whitney White. And she is the co-founder of Melanin Hair Care. And this came from an article from NBCNews.com titled 150 Plus Black-Owned Businesses to Support in 2023 and Beyond. So that quote stuck with me because we as African-Americans have to work twice as hard compared to our white counterparts, you know, just to be seen, just to get recognition. You know, uh, it's just not the same. And I don't know if it'll ever be, 
But that's always been something, you know, one mess up, one slip up and, you know, your name is ruined. You're tarnished, right? And uh, you don't want that to be the case. I know um, there are several Black-owned businesses that I support and shop at. And I just wanted to name a few on here with you all. I don't think some of you all will know all of them. So that's why I just want to, you know, put, put out the plug so you guys can go and support as well. So the first one is Faith Walker, and that is a Christian apparel clothing store founded by none other than the beautiful Brittany Wells. Listen, she is a force to be reckoned with. She has been walking in her faith proudly. I know she said she really was, you know, um, starting back on, you know, in her faith and, you know, her Christianity back in 2015. And uh, she has just overcome so much and she just has a positive outlook on life, beautiful spirit. And so I've shopped with her before. I actually have a sweater that says Faith Walker and a hat uh, that says Faith Walker and it's denim, which is beautiful. And the sweater is black. And a uh, quick story. So I was deployed and I wanted a sweater. So I purchased it. And I remember she didn't know I was deployed. And she called me at like two o'clock in the morning. I was so tired, y'all. And I go and she FaceTimed me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I look busted. You know, you're sleeping, you know, you got your um, scarf on and everything. And I was just looking a hot mess. And um, she FaceTimed me and she says, yeah, the address. Um, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm deployed. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, so there's probably going to be an extra charge for shipping. And I was like, that's no problem. I'll pay it. And uh, she never got back with me with the shipping fee. And I was just so blessed that she didn't. And I was wearing that sweater every chance I get, even though it was uh, 100 plus degrees. <laughs> but yes, you can shop her clothing line at www.faith-walker.com. And it's just a reminder that you can walk boldly in your faith. And that's what we all need to be reminded of, that whatever obstacle situation is coming your way, to always have faith and know that God is near and always there and that he'll get you out of the situation if you can just have faith as tiny as a mustard seed. All the things that you possibly didn't think could have been uh, able to kind of pass. Probably would be able to. Okay, the next Black-owned business I'm going to talk about you guys probably already know who these people are because they are the founders of Black Love. You know, that hit TV series that comes on TV. I think they had about seven seasons and they shut it down. Seven seasons. I could be wrong. But anyways, I was so happy when they came out with that show because it really, you know, showcased Black Love. You know, and it was nice to see the struggles, the ups and downs, you know, uh, everything within finances, death, um, loss of loved ones, you know, loss of, you know, just issues with fertility, all that and more. And, you know, just the stories of how they met. Oh, I just get all giddy inside. But anyways, founders Cody and Tommy Oliver uh, from the hit series Black Love, they have their website as well. And it is called blacklove-com. And they have these beautiful, beautiful sweaters. And they have them in white and they have them in black. I wanted the white, y'all, but they didn't have my size. So I got them in black and I got one for myself and one for my husband. And it says black love is beautiful. And this right here is a statement in itself. And this is one of the cool things I like. And I'm not saying you can't do this in other establishment, but it's something about walking into a black establishment where you're wearing something that is talking about black people and it's a conversation starter so crazy thing we were actually getting food from a black establishment so i'm actually going to do two plugs right now so this establishment is the first black owned chinese restaurant in missouri y'all and it's called lefty's fried rice you want to know how we found out about that place well we went to another black establishment about a week and a half ago called sweet art and it is a black owned vegan restaurant and we were there just talking, waiting for our food. My husband and I do not eat vegan food, but we want to try it and we want to support. Anyways, the owner wasn't there, but any, we were sitting there, we had a seat, and it was just a great mixture of people from all races just in there eating vegan food. And that's what I loved about it. You know, even though it was a Black-owned restaurant, you saw all, all people that, you know, very diverse. And so we're sitting down and this guy came up next to us and was like, oh, do you mind if I sit here? And we're like, sure, no worries. 
he sits there and he starts talking to us about this vegan restaurant. And we're like, oh, wow, how it became to be all these things and more. And then he says, you know, uh, have you heard about um, Lefty's Fried Rice? And we're like, no. And he's like, well, it's the first black owned Chinese restaurant in Missouri and there's not many of us. And first of all, my husband and I were like, I've never been to any other Chinese restaurant other than those owned by Asians, you know. And so we were thrilled and, you know, wanting to check this out, check out this restaurant. Like, let's see about this. So we ended up going to that Chinese restaurant, which, by the way, is actually really good, minus the weight. Um, that's the one thing I will say is a downfall about some uh, establishments, especially restaurants. The weight um, that we have to endure is terrible. And if we could get past that, y'all, we'd be, we'd be on top of the world. So anyways, we went to Lefty's. We were waiting. So what had happened was, right, my husband's name is very common. So we got there. It was a whole hour. They said it would be about 40-minute wait. So we had went to another uh, Black-owned business that I'm about to talk about here shortly. And so we went over there to go and, you know, shop around. And then we came back, and the food still wasn't ready. Mind you, it was 40 minutes. So the lady then that is behind the desk says, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I gave your food away. There was someone else with the same name. So we had to wait another 20 minutes maybe. And then we did get like a free egg roll. But anyways, while we were there waiting, right, uh, there was this couple and she read her sweater and she was like, I like that. And I was like, thank you. And then that was a conversation starter. So you guys are married. Oh, how long have you guys been together? How'd you meet? And then we got a chance to ask her and her husband. So how'd you guys meet? You know, how long have you been married? What's the secret to marriage? And that alone was like, you know, it was, it kept the time going. And it was one of those opportunities where, you know, sometimes when you go to other establishments that probably aren't black, you probably won't get that. You may get small talk here and there, but this lady talked us the whole time, y'all. And I was like, oh, wow. But it, it was just nice to see that, you know, going to these black owned businesses, you really get that opportunity to just talk and get to know somebody else and know their story. So the next place is uh, Roots Oasis. And this is a spot that we went to in the meantime, while we were waiting for our food to be ready. This is another black owned establishment owned by a female. And this spot right here, it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful boutique. Literally, if you all are ever in the St. Louis area, check them out as well. She has so much priority. The owner is named, the owner's name is Kim. And she has just a curated shop where people can go in and feel inspirational. You know, she has everything in there from hygiene to apparel to accessories. She has personal organizers. I mean, so much. It's ridiculous. She even had this one little plant. I don't think it's for sale, but it was a little plant. And uh, it says rooting for everybody black. And I thought that was so, so like just not dope to have in the store. I was like, can I get one in my head? But it was just only one. So anyways, we went into her store and she's just a beautiful soul. So I want to say how that all happened. So we went to a pop, we went to an event that they were having in St. Louis and they had a whole bunch of pop-up shops. And this was during, I think the holiday season. I went over to her shop, I didn't get anything. And I told her I'd be back. And I, you know, she, I gave her, she gave me her business card. And you know, usually when you say you'll be back, you don't really mean it. I mean, I know I don't. Usually I'm just like, I'll be back. And I'm just trying to be nice and friendly to keep their hopes up that I'll return. But I really wanted to go back to her and support her. Uh, because she was a black woman and I liked her things. And so anyways, I took her business card and then I got a chance to actually find her store, went in. She was absolutely shocked. Couldn't believe we came back. I think she kind of thought the same thing. Like, yeah, you're going to come back. Of course you are. Went in, shopped, got some things and uh, talked for a little bit. And I said, I told you I'd be back. Then we went back again a couple weeks later and she was like, oh my gosh, gave my husband and I a hug as if we had known her for years. And she's like, yeah, shop around. It just felt so like so family oriented, you know, we're like, you good, you, you're good here, you know, like we're family. And I like that about, you know, going to like the, the black owned um, establishments that, you know, you have, you feel that, that love and that connection. So that's why I support, you know, black owned businesses, you know, why? Because you're networking, you're connecting in so many ways, you know, they're the plug for certain other things that you may have not known. And you're supporting your black community as well. So, you know, have we never went to that vegan restaurant, which is called Sweet Art? They have been featured on you, on Netflix, excuse me. And I'm sure a few other uh, places as well, but Netflix for sure. Had we not went there, we wouldn't have known about Lefty's Fried Rice. 
you know, had we not went to that pop-up shop, we wouldn't have known about Rude Oasis Boutique. You know, and it's like, had we not watched the series Black Love, I probably would have never known that they came out with the sweater. You know, had I never went to a church that I went to, I would have never known that a friend of ours had a faith uh, clothing apparel. So it's like everything tied in and, you know, it's just a whole thing of like, you tell me something, I tell you something. And then we're all, you know, giving each other like the plug of where to go next. Oh, you got to go here. You got to check this out. So, you know, I have YouTube videos right now that I'm focusing on for the month of February, all on black owned businesses I've been doing. So check me out there. It is the same as my podcast, Unapologetically Mahogany. And this one that I'm talking about now, so they will be featured on another episode uh, that will be coming up in the uh, next few weeks. So yes, I love supporting black owned businesses. I think it's one of the best things that could have happened. And uh, I love it. And I want to mention something else while I'm on uh, the episode. So in order to support these black owned businesses, you have to take action, right? Especially for this month, Black History Month. It's just that opportunity to, sh you want to shop local, right? You want to put our, our dollars into black owned businesses and restaurants in the community. And I will say have lots of patience, especially for the restaurants, because I've been to plenty of black owned restaurants and the wait has been like eternity. So do not go if you're like on an empty, 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 empty stomach. Go when like you've had something in your your tummy. That way you're not like so um, hangry, right? That's the word. Oh, also the hashtag, right? Um, you know, social media is such like a great opportunity to um, find out about other black owned restaurants nearby. So hashtags like shop black owned, support hashtag support black owned black businesses is great. And then on Amazon, you could use hashtag black is remarkable. So, hey, you got that. And, you know, spreading the word, you know, you got to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, you know, that way people know about these black owned businesses, because if not, they're not getting any business and then they're having to shut down because, you know, they're not making any profit. So there are lots of ways that you can do it. You know, check out certain websites, you know, that feature black owned businesses. That's what I did. I literally just went to Google, typed it in black owned businesses. And I mean, I had a whole bunch of like, tsh, places pop up and I was like, wow, where to go first? You know, whether you're trying to look for coffee, candles, um, vegan food, you know, um, clothing. I mean, they got it all. And especially in the St. Louis area, it's so diverse and there's so much black owned businesses that are like ran through over here that I'm just, I'm just getting started to be honest. So if you can, please go out and support black owned businesses, not only for the month of February, but also for 365 days out the year, y'all, we got to support our people because if we don't support, then who is? So make sure that you do that and make sure if you haven't, check out my YouTube channel and, you know, stay tuned for more episodes to come. All right, y'all, I'm out. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. That's right. You are listening to Unapologetically Mahogany. If this is your first time, welcome. And I hope you'll stay for a while and continue to listen to other episodes that I come with because they are going to be just so fun. And I know there's something that you can take away from each and every one of these episodes. So let's get started. So as you have read by the title of this episode, I'm talking all about my roots. And I'm so thrilled and so excited to be talking about this episode because this one by far has to be my favorite. And I'll tell you why. Because I love my heritage and I love where I come from. And so I'm so excited to be, you know, introducing to you all for the very first time, some special guests that will be joining me on today. They include my mom, better known as Madre, my dad, my brother, and also my cousin. So they are going to be joining us today on this episode. So you'll hear them a little bit further down the line on this episode. So, you know, what I want to talk about is how it was growing up in a Panamanian slash Jamaican household. So my mother is originally from Panama in Central America. It is in between Colombia and Costa Rica. And my dad is from Jamaica and the West Indies, the Caribbean. And then my brother and I were born here in the States in New Jersey. So I like to say that I am Panamanian and Jamaican made, uh, but born from America, right? So my roots is all Caribbean and West Indian and Latin and all that and more. But I'm originally from the States and I'm so proud to be an American, but I'm also proud to be a Panamanian and a Jamaican, or I should say Panamanian and Jamaican American. 
right? But number one, American, but I'm so proud of my roots. So, you know, growing up, I remember as a child just being immersed into this cultural world that I actually thought everybody knew, but boy, was I wrong. Growing up as a Caribbean, West Indian, Afro-Latino child, I had it all, y'all. I remember going to the Latino supermarket with my mom to pick up calling cards to call Panama, you know, as well as buying any groceries that we needed to then going to the Caribbean market with my dad to picking up produce as well as getting like a beef patty and a cola champagne. All the Caribbean people already know what that is, you know, um, and cola champagne is spelled with a K, not a C, y'all. You know, I I would come home from school and my mom would have like on Lauda, which is like a television show like Oprah. And she'd also watch this one show called Caso Cerrado, which is kind of like case closed. Y'all, I can't ruin my R's for nothing. So it probably sounded jacked up just now. <laughs> but that show was juicier than Judge Judy, y'all. And that says a lot because Judge Judy was already juicy as it was already. I remember I would go to school and I would be telling kids, you have mata on your eye. And they would look at me sideways like, what the heck is this girl talking about? I started to realize that I was different, but not in a bad way, right? People would say sleep. And I remember the first time I heard sleep from, I think like elementary or middle school. And that was what people call like the white stuff in your eye. And I was like, what the heck? What are y'all talking about? But, you know... I embraced my heritage, you know, uh, I not only got stared at because of probably some of the things I would say, but I also was constantly stared at because of, you know, my hairstyles that, you know, my mom would do to my hair. So I'd get my hair braided and I would have kids constantly asking me, are those braids heavy? How do they braid your hair? And I would tell them, you know, I would sit for, you know, hours to get it done and kids would have their mouths just dropped to the ground like oh my gosh that's a long time then they would ask who did it and I'd be like my mom then they'd be like can I get an appointment with her and I'm like no she only does my hair and then the disappointed look on their faces as I said no my mother is not opening up for business (laughs) you know I never really talked about my heritage growing up to be honest um it wasn't because I was ashamed of it I just didn't know um I wasn't that typical Southern African-American or, you know, I I wasn't raised up North, you know? So I didn't really understand that people really couldn't relate to me. And still I started talking about like different key words that I learned from home and people would look at me a little sideways. Like, I don't understand. What does that mean? You know, I didn't grow up eating collard greens and macaroni and cheese and chitlins and uh, peach cobbler. Like, that wasn't something that I ate on a regular. Um, You know, I mean, like, I felt like I fit in with everyone, you know, because I was cool enough to hang out with all people. I didn't discriminate or anything. You know, I didn't have, like, my main group of friends, like how others did. You know, I I had mostly sides, right? You can tell that food is on my mind. But (laughs) I, like, talked to everyone. Indians, whites, Hispanics, blacks. I mean... Asians, the list goes on. There wasn't one set of group of people that I was just like, these are the people that I hang out with every single day. This is my clique. You know, uh, like I, I fit in with Latinos, but I wasn't as light as others. And my hair wasn't as silky straight or curly. But then I also fit in with African-Americans because, you know, I felt like some of the lingo I couldn't relate to, but I still looked like an African-American, skin color and all. So it was like I could I could still fit in there, too. Uh, I remember, you know, growing up, what I had was plantain, right? I know I hear a lot of American people, I'm American included, but because I was raised with my heritage, we say plantain. But you have people here that say, oh, yeah, you want some plantains? And I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, another word for plantain is maduros or platanos. You know, I remember having like rice and peas or the Spanish way, arroz con pollo. I had dumpling, I had Aki and saltfish. I mean, the list goes on. I was drinking Milo, Ting, just so many other Caribbean drinks that, you know, the average American probably would be like, I ain't never heard of that. What is that? You know, I have a diverse family where my mom's side speaking Spanish fluently and my mom included. 
to my dad's side speaking Patois. Like it was just a mix of two cultures that I was like, I'm loving this. You know, I remember visiting my family in Panama and, you know, my aunt or my tia would have like telenovelas on, which are like soap operas. And then visiting Jamaica and just getting a chance to walk through the market, visit family and just like experience a tropical island. It ain't nothing better than just visiting like your parents' homeland, where they're from, and just get a chance to experience probably what they experienced growing up. You know, my brother and I, we were just able to take it all in. It was great, y'all. I mean, growing up, I get Spanish lessons during the summertime with my brother. And, you know, my dad would constantly speak to us sometimes in his dialect. And when he did it, there was always something that referred back to when he grew up and my mom, the same thing. I didn't have it like this, how you have it now. I get that all the time and still now. You know, although, you know, I did not realize what times were like during the, the Jim Crow era, and neither did my parents, right? Because they weren't born here in the States. However, I still feel for those that had to go through segregation and even the horrible treatment that Blacks went through. You know, we all deep down have tons of heritage, no matter where we all come from. The bottom line is that our roots are all stemmed from Africa. And I hold myself with so much pride because of where my heritage comes from. You know, like I said earlier, I'm an American born with Panamanian and Jamaican roots, and I love it. I'm here for it all. I love the culture. I love the vibes. I love the energy, the music, the love, the pride, the language, and the list goes on and on. Any chance I get, I'm listening to reggae, salsa, reggaeton, because that's me. You know, I remember growing up listening to Spanish Christian music, and it's absolutely beautiful, y'all. I just love, 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 love culture. And, you know, if you also have parents from a different culture, I hope that you're also embracing it and wanting to keep the legacy alive by also allowing your children to be raised knowing their roots. I think one of the things I'll never understand, though, is why, you know, we must associate what we see on television to what we see now. You know, for example, Latinos come in all shades, not just fair skin. And my mother is the type to never let anyone hear her speak Spanish because when you see her, she is a black woman, right? An Afro-Latina, a West Indian. And she gets the opportunity to hear what other people are saying because she doesn't look like the authentic Hispanic woman. You know, and I like that she uses that to her advantage. And so throughout, you know, this episode, I will be, you know, getting a chance to just talk to my family about their experiences of coming here to the States and, you know, uh, how their um, experience has been, you know, is still embracing their culture in the United States of America. And I'm just so happy to introduce uh, the few. Uh, so first, we're going to start off with my mother, and then we're going to start off with my father, and then we're going to start off with my brother. And then last but not least, we're going to uh, end it with um, my cousin Alex. So um, one of the things I will say is I, I understand and embrace uh, the opportunities that I have because of where my family is from. I've been embraced to cultures that I probably would have never gotten a chance to probably had I not been, you know, from the culture. You know, I probably would have went to like a Caribbean party here or there. But, you know, having the culture, I hear reggae music all the time. Right. The lingo. Right. The dialect, the music, the foods, you know, all that I always ex get to experience. You know, I understand now what it means to have, you know, parents that are from a different country who have accents um, and where people may say, well, where are you from? You know, versus somebody else that's like, hey, my mother is from the States and probably doesn't have a strong enough accent like how your mother does or your father does. Uh, you know, I, I'll say, too, um, that for me, it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm so proud of my heritage, or you could say herencia. And that's just how you say heritage in Spanish. But, um, you know, I remember just growing up and just like getting that opportunity to experience that culture of like my, I remember literally vaguely, um, people in the States will say, I'm going to go take a shower, right? I'm going to go take a, I'm going to go have a bath taken. And my dad would always be like, go fi man. You know, it's just like, go and bathe. But if I say it to somebody else, they're like, what the heck does that mean? Um, so, or uh, I would eat, I remember lots of times we would have, people say porridge, but we say porridge. And 
it's almost like oatmeal but it's like a different consistency i'd have cornmeal porridge and like that was like one of the best meals because it was like a great nutritious breakfast and for some people i remember i'd hear like porridge and i'm like what the heck is porridge they're saying it wrong not realizing that different cultures are going to say different things so not just because i say it a certain way means that someone else is saying it wrong it's just the way we were raised and that's what i had to fully embrace and understand so on this episode, we are going to be hearing from my mother, we're going to be hearing from my father, we're going to be hearing from my brother, and we're also going to be hearing from my cousin. So I introduce to you all for the first time my special guest on today's episode. So one of the things I'll never understand, though, is why we must associate what we see on television to what we see now. You know, Latinos come in all shades, not just fair skin. And my mother is a type to never let anyone know, um, you know, that she speaks Spanish. Uh, because when you see her, she is a black woman, right? An Afro-Latina, West Indian at that. And she gets the opportunity to hear what other people are saying that probably don't expect her to speak the same language. Um, so when she does speak it, some people are surprised. And some can pick up on her accent and start talking to her. And then some are just eager to figure out how does she learn the language because, oh, she could never be from a Hispanic country, right? And it's that perceived preconceived notion that you must have learned the Spanish language, right? But no one has ever thought, well, maybe she's from a Hispanic country and just learned to speak Spanish in her native country. You know, she'll get the normal sayings, you speak Spanish so well. Uh, and... It's one of those things that is is one of those stereotypes, I feel, right? Because you, you see on TV, fair skin, you know, coolie hair, straight hair, curly hair, but you don't really see the representation of black people that speak Spanish. You know, I've also, you know, been having, I've also had the privilege to know, you know, just certain people because of where my parents are from. And, you know, my dad, he is like a true Jamaican at heart. He loves everything about his homeland. And when I tell you everything, I mean everything. Let my dad know that you're from Jamaica and automatically a conversation is going to be started. What parish are you from? You know, what's the last time you've been back? And questions upon questions, okay? And don't get me wrong, my mother is the same way as well. You know, anytime she meets someone else that's Panamanian too, it's like, what? No way! It's just great to see other people that are from your country that are here in the United States. So it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm just so proud of, you know, my herencia, which just means heritage. And uh, I just can't wait to, um, and if you're an Islander, then you already know, we don't say shower. We say gofi birman. We don't say plantain. We say plantain. We don't say porridge. We say porridge. It's just how we say things. We don't say three. We say tree. And obviously my accent is definitely not the same as my mom's or my dad's, you know, but hey, I try, right? It's not three, tree, tree. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but, you know, on this episode, we're going to have my mom. We're going to have my dad on it. We're going to have my brother. He's also part of the episode. I'll have a few questions for him since we both live the same experience. So why not? And then I'll also have my cousin as well on here. So stay tuned, y'all. So now my mom is going to be saying to us in Spanish, please make sure to check out all of my episodes. I do one every week. So be sure to tune in. Here she is. So this episode is a good one. I mean, they're all good ones. But this one right here is one that I struggle with growing up. Man, I can't tell you where I felt like I fit in. Like I was cool enough to hang with everyone, but I didn't have like my main group of friends like how others did. I had mostly sides. You can tell that food is on my mind, but hear me out. I had the smart side, the Caribbean Latino side, the hood side, the pretty side, the athletic side, and all other sides. Like I could hang out with nearly anyone. I remember as a child growing up and just being immersed into this cultural world that I thought everyone knew. But boy, was I wrong. I grew up as a Caribbean, West Indian, Afro-Latino child. I had it all. I remember going to the Latino supermarket with my mom to pick up calling cards to call Panama, as well as buy any groceries that we needed. 
to going to the Caribbean market with my dad to picking up produce while also getting me a beef patty and a cola champagne. And cola is spelled with a K, y'all. I would come home from school and my mom would have on noticias, which means news. It was either on Telemundo or Univision. She also would watch a lot of Lauda, which is like a television show like Oprah. And she would also watch Caso Cedrado, which means case closed. It was juicier than Judge Judy. And that was juicy already. I would go to school and tell people, Ya matan ya eye. And I'll never forget, my dad would say, Ya matan ya eye, ticks in your bottom. It was like one of the Jamaican sayings. Meaning, basically like you're dirty and you need to clean yourself up. And I would say that and kids at school would look at me sideways. I started to realize that I was different, but not in a bad way. I finally realized that Americans called mata sleep. It's when you got that white stuff in your eye when you first wake up and you know you need to go to the bathroom and wash yourself off. That's what that is. So I not only got stared at because I would be in braids all day or plaits with beads, I would constantly be asked, are those braids heavy? How did they braid your hair? And then when I would tell them how long I had to sit, their mouths would drop to the ground. Because listen, getting braids done is no joke. It's literally like a whole nine to five job. You're there for hours. But the final result was pretty. So I never really talked about my heritage growing up. Not because I was ashamed. I just didn't know I wasn't that typical Southern African American. Or from up north until people couldn't relate to what I would say. Looking back, I'm sure a lot of people did, but I never spoke about it. I mean, I fit in with Latinos, but I wasn't as light as others, and my hair wasn't as silky straight or curly. And then, I mean, I fit in with African Americans, but then some of the lingo I couldn't relate to. I wasn't eating macaroni and cheese and cornbread and collard greens and gumbo and pig feet like others. I was eating platanos or plantain, rice and peas, or arroz con pollo, dumpling, aki and saltfish, and the list goes on. I was drinking Milo, Ting, and the list goes on. I have a diverse family with my mom's side speaking Spanish fluently to my dad's side speaking Patois. I would visit my family in Panama, or as they call it, Panama. And my aunt, or tia, would have on telenovelas, which are soap operas. I'd also walk out, and my grandmother would either have on Christian speaking with different pastors on, or it was football, otherwise known as soccer. And you would hear it loud and clear when they made a score. Goal! And I still don't know how they're able to say it for so long. It seems like minutes, but wow, that's some talent right there. I remember visiting Jamaica and I got to walk the market and just see family and just experience the tropical island. I remember just being exposed to all the culture on both sides. My brother and I were just able to take it all in and it was great. You know, we would get Spanish lessons during the summertime and my dad would constantly speak to us in his dialect. Although I did not realize what times were like during the Jim Crow era, and neither did my parents, since they weren't born in the States. However, I still feel for those that had to go through segregation and the horrible treatment that Blacks went through. We all deep down have tons of heritage, no matter where we all came from. And that's what I want everyone to understand on this episode. The bottom line is that our roots all stem from Africa. I hold myself with so much pride, y'all, because of where my heritage comes from. I am an American born with Panamanian and Jamaican roots, and I love it. I love the culture, the vibes, the energy, the music, the love, the pride, the language, the food, and the list goes on and on. Any chance I get, I'm listening to reggae, salsa, reggaeton, because it's me. I remember growing up and listening to Spanish Christian music, and it's absolutely beautiful. I just love, love, love culture. And if you also have parents from a different culture, 
I hope that you are also embracing it and wanting to keep the legacy alive, but also allowing your children to be raised knowing their roots. One of the things, though, I'll never understand is why we must associate what we see on television to what we see now. You know, Latinos come in all shades, not just fair skin. And my mother is the type that you won't know she speaks another language until sometimes you ask her and you hear her accent or you actually hear her speaking the Spanish language. Although she's West Indian, to me, she's also known as an Afro-Latina. She is bilingual and has the opportunity to disguise herself. You know, when she's around other Latinos that maybe don't know that she speaks the Spanish language because of the color of her skin, they are surprised when she does start speaking. Some may start to pick up on her accent and start talking back in Spanish, or some will ask, how did you learn the language? She's never, ever gotten asked, well, maybe, is it because you're from a Spanish country? It's that preconceived notion that has already been led, you know, to some that you must have learned Spanish somewhere here and majored in it. But have you ever thought that maybe she is from a Hispanic country and learned to speak Spanish in her native country? She always gets the, the normal sayings, you speak Spanish so well. And to me, I've been able to go in places that I probably wouldn't have been able to had my mom not been from Panama or my father not being from Jamaica. I've had so much opportunities to experience the culture like never before. And let my dad know that you're from Jamaica. Automatic conversation. Okay, what parish are you from? When's the last time you've been? It's a beautiful thing. And I'm so proud of my herencia, which means heritage in Spanish. If you're an Islander, then you already know we don't say shower. We say go feed man. And I always remember my dad saying that. I would go to school and I'd hear people saying I had to take a bath. I had to take a shower. And I'm like, what? We don't say plantain. We say plantain. We don't say porridge. We say porridge. It's just how we say things, right? Speaking of it, I know I mentioned my brother earlier in this episode and he's actually part. And I got him in to chime in on his experience growing up with a Panamanian mother and a Jamaican father, since we both lived the same experience. So let's hear from him. So basically what my mother was saying is for you all to continue to tune in every Sunday because I have new episodes that come out on my podcast. Now, it's Monday. I am a day late. I was trying to get this up as soon as I could, but it did not work out. And hey, it's up now. So I hope that you all are enjoying the episode and stay tuned for another episode next Sunday. So Cedric, thank you for being a part of this episode. Once again, thank you, Cedric, so much for being a part of the episode. You and I lived this uh, life together with two amazing cultures. So thank you. Thank you so, so much. So, Madre, what are the pros of being bilingual? I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It's all about knowing my roots. And I hope that you all will take time to also figure out or dive deeper as to what your roots are as well. I think it's so imperative for us to know where we come from, right? And it's Black History Month. We are literally on the day before February ends, but Black History Month is 365 days out the year. And there's so much to unpack, and I hope you'll do the same. Before this episode is over, I have to thank my amazing family for being a part of this episode. It couldn't have been done without them. So I want to give a big, huge shout out to my mother, known as Madre, my father, known as my dad, my brother, Cedric, uh, which you all have heard, and my cousin, Alex. So I want to thank you all so much from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this episode. Ah, I love it. And I love you all so much. So thank you once again. Hugs and kisses. Now introducing to some... Well, actually, all y'all. <laughs> Let's introduce my mom, better known as Madre. Next up is my father, a proud Caribbean. So let's get him on next to the episode. And last is my cousin, Alex. Next up, we are introducing my mother, known as Madre. And I'm so happy to have her and just 
discuss some questions that I have for her and her culture. So let's start. Next up, we are talking to my mother, known as Madre. We're going to find out what does she consider herself? Does she consider herself West Indian, Afro-Latino, Black, Caribbean? I mean, there's so much to unpack. So let's talk to my mom. All right, so we have my dad, a proud, proud Jamaican. He reps it wherever he's at. And we're going to ask him a few questions. Did you all know that Jamaican Patois is a language in itself? Find out more. Let's talk to my dad. So now we are talking to my mother, a proud, proud Panamanian from Panama in Central America. We're going to talk to her about where does she fit in? What does she consider herself to be? Afro-Latino, West Indian, Caribbean? Where does she see herself? Let's talk to my mother and find out more. All right, next we have my cousin, Alex, coming all the way from Georgia. He is going to talk to us a little bit more about, I mean, who has more culture? Is it Georgia or is it New York? Find out more. Let's get to talking with my cousin, Alex.